As you know, last week with a new vision statement, you might say, purpose, branding statement, I don't know a lot of different names for it. But it's, and, and there again, I, I tell you all this, this is not something that the Holy Spirit woke me up at 2 o'clock in the morning and gave me, okay? It's something I read in a book uh, from Mark Rutland, and it was this, the, 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 the saying is this, a real church for real people seeking a real God. And the Lord did quicken that into my spirit to borrow that. And, and so I'm telling you where it came from. It came through Him by way of the Holy Spirit. A real church for real people seeking a real God. Now last week we talked about being a real church, and I want to I go back just a second. I'm, I'm not going to take but a couple of minutes on this. Last week I read you the scripture in Mark, I mean in Ephesians chapter 4 about how that, that when he ascended on high, he gave gifts unto men. He gave apostles. This is Jesus I'm talking about. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the perfecting of the saints so they can do the work or equipping the saints so they can do the work of the ministry and the body is edified. Now the, the whole body of Christ is edified, but this body right here, this we are a real church that's a part of the real church, okay? And so this body right here, when we will, will let, when you will let yourself be equipped through the preaching and teaching of the Word through these different ministries, then it's going to motivate you and incite you to do the work of the ministry over all the body of Christ but for Victory Fellowship. But I want to, want to just address something here so you can understand not everyone ministers like Pastor Carroll. Not everybody has the sweet, fluid, flowing, gentle. No. <laughs> I minister as a pastor teacher. And there's a difference in the way I minister. I was, I was sharing with, with uh, Brother Brad yesterday how that, that man, when, when God first called me to preach, I just, I, okay, and sweated and spit, and y'all think y'all got it rough on the first row now. You should have known me 40 years ago, okay? But one night God told me, He said, I'm changing your ministry from preacher to teacher. And He said, I see you as a bulldozer reaching up and getting it from God and coming back down and pouring it out on the people and reaching up and getting it again and pouring it out on the people. That was on a Saturday night. On Sunday morning, man, I had my hitting stomping, spitting message ready. And I, got, I, I did that message standing just like this behind the pulpit and hardly even raised my voice. And I'm standing there amazed. Had more response from that message than I'd had in three months. Now what I'm saying is this. Apostles minister different than pastors do. Prophets minister different than apostles and pastors. Evangelists minister different yet, you know, you know what I'm talking about. An evangelist, they blow in, blow up, and blow out. And don't care who they hurt and offend, they're on the run. And leave it to us poor pastors to try to straighten out their mess. Now, they don't cause a mess. Not, but anyhow. But we all minister differently. Now, the reason I say that is this. To get us where we need to be, we're going to have to have the different ministries come in. And they're not all going to minister like me. There's going to be times that, that they'll come 
matter of fact, two weeks from today, we'll have an apostle among us. Brother Sid Luke will be here with us in two weeks. And he is an apostle. He's a missionary, but he's an apostle in the body of Christ. And he ministers different. Y'all that have been around here any length of time knows that he does. And he, he ministers in the, in the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom real well. And, uh, and there'll be times that when these ministers come in, they'll pray for somebody and they'll fall out on the power of the Spirit. And, and other things that are, that are, you know, so what I'm saying to you is this. Not everybody that comes along is going to preach like Pastor Carroll. They're not going to teach like Pastor Carroll. But let's don't label them that they're not real, that they're not part of it. Let's learn from what they've got. And let's receive from their anointing. And therefore then we're more able to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. Now then, that's all I'm going to say about a real church today. I want to move on to the part about real people. And you know, I looked up in the Bible, in my concordance, I couldn't find the term real people in there anywhere. I even looked in the New Living Translation, the Amplified Bible, the New Century Version, several of them, and, and the term, I couldn't find where it said a real people. But I did find the negative of that. So what we're going to do today, and we're going to talk about this for a couple of times, but what we're going to do today, we're going to use a negative to teach a positive. You say, how do you do that? Well, uh, follow me, okay? (laughs) So we're going to open up our Bible this morning to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Jesus is teaching what we call the Sermon on the Mount, or the Bible lesson on the Mount. And in this, he addresses a group of people that are not real. And, and understand this too, when we talk about being real people, we're talking it in the context of being a Christian, of being a child of God. A lot of different thoughts about what a real person is. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm a real person. I have everything about me that makes up a people, you know. And I'm, I'm, I'm a man people. I'm not a woman, people. <laughs> and if, if, I was a, if I were to stand up here and try to make you feel like I was a woman, people, then I would be put in the category of these folks that Jesus talked about here in Matthew chapter 6. So let's read this scripture. He said, Take heed, therefore, that you do not your alms before men, that's giving, to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms or thy giving, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do. Now, there's where there's the negative that we're going to get a positive from, okay? As the hypocrites do, or in the synagogues, in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest thine alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. In other words, it's not to be broadcasted that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. I like that part of it right there too. He'll let it be known. See, he said, he said in Malachi chapter 3 that when we bring our tithes and offerings in the storehouse, that he would set us on high above all nations and they would call us blessed. Okay? Then verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the street, that they may be seen of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. But when you pray, enter into the closet, and when thou shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and the Father which seeth in secret 
shall reward thee openly. Boy, that's twice in there. I just now noticed that. He'll reward you for giving like you're supposed to. He'll reward you for praying like you're supposed to. You say, now, now, let me settle this right here too. You say, well, what about when people pray in public? Well, when people pray in public, if they're praying for people to hear them, they're hypocrites. May I say that again? When people are praying in public, if they're praying for people to hear them and to impress people, they're hypocrites. <clears throat> Same response nearly I got before. But that, isn't that what he said? I, when I pray, I, I, tried, I tried to learn this a long time ago, and I'm not trying to build myself up, but I tried to learn this a long time ago. See, being a pastor, you called on to pray a lot of times, a lot of places and situations and in church and all of that. When I pray... I do my best to focus on God when I'm praying. Not on people. Not on what people say, what people do. Why? Because I don't want to be labeled a hypocrite like this is talking about. I mean, my goodness, I have enough chance of that already without it affecting my prayer life and my giving, right? What is a hypocrite? Well, in that day, a hypocrite uh, in the Roman and Greek culture was a play actor. They would be like some of these play actors are in Hollywood that can't get to the fact of realizing that when they come off of that stage, off of that movie screen, they're real people in real life and they still try to be actors. Did you notice where that actress let the world know why Harvey hit Houston and why Irma's coming in? It's because America elected Trump as president and it's nature's way of getting back at us. I thought, my goodness, that is ignorance going to seed. And they pretend to be smart. But anyhow, so what they would do, and this was, they didn't have makeup like they do nowadays, but they would wear a mask that, was, that would portray the character that they were playing. So, so literally the word hypocrite means behind the mask. It means fake. It's not real. It's a pretense. And uh, playing the part. I, I like that definition of being a hypocrite, playing the part. Because, folks, I don't want to be, and I don't want you to be, us to be, the kind of people that was just playing a part on Sunday and then going out the rest of the week and living real. Hello? The term real, real, everybody knows what real means, I know. But just let me give you some definitions I found. It means to be actual. Genuine and authentic. It means being precisely what the name implies. When I tell somebody I'm a Christian, then that's exactly what I want that to portray in my life and my words all the time. See, uh, it means uh, not imagined, not supposed, and not an imitation, and not artificial. I've heard it said many times over the years, if you're a Christian, the woods is full of it. You ever heard that term? I've heard it time and again about just people that profess to be Christians. Now, I know, I understand that we still live on this earth. And we have, you know, I could be perfect if I didn't have other people to deal with and if the devil wasn't real. Couldn't you? But because the devil is real and there's other people here, there's, it's, it's not a cut and dried thing that we can just be perfect. But here's the thing about it. We can be growing. A real, now get a hold of this, a real Christian is someone 
that is dedicating their life to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, we'll get back to that in a minute. You know, yesterday, I think these, these preachers around here, uh, Brother Nixon, they got this habit of getting my notes through the week and reading them. Because they'll come up with something, and you know, at a devotion time here or whatever. And, and yesterday at their men's meeting, we had devotion. And these guys got to talking about this stuff. So I told them, I said, I'm going to share this with y'all, but now y'all act like you've never heard it before. You didn't get it then, huh? <laughs> At least he's not fake, right? A real person is not someone that goes through life doing wrong things and then excuses it by saying, I'm just being real. I'm just human. I'm just being real. Now, when we come back to the definition of what real is, and somebody says that, I'm just being real. No, they're trying to excuse their sinful way of living. They're trying to excuse their habits. And, and, and I made this statement to the men yesterday, the Christian life is really a life of no excuses. We don't have an excuse. Why? Because, listen, God has given us His Word, We'll talk about that in a minute. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's washed us in the blood of Jesus Christ. And He's there for us, like J.J. said, to fight our battles for us. And so for us just to live a haphazard, loose life and call ourselves Christians, there's no excuse for it to say, I'm only human. Did you know that when you became born again, you retained a human nature? You retained your body. You still have the same body in your mind. You know, when I, when I was born again, I was made new, but it was my spirit man, my heart. But my mind and my body didn't change overnight. wished it had, but it didn't. And, and neither has God taken the top of my head off and poured a whole bunch of stuff in there and screwed my head back on so I could live right. He gave me His Word. He gave me His Spirit. He washed me in the blood of Jesus. And he said, now then, begin to grow. Grow. And and he didn't just throw me down like put me in a corner in a classroom with a dunce hat on and say, you know, do it the best you can. No, he's there with me to help me, to show me, to to let me see. And he gives us instructions. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, he said, somewhere there, as newborn babes, Desire the sincere, sincere milk of the gospel or the word that you may grow by, thereby. Now, now listen. You say, well, that's for baby Christians. Well, is it? He didn't say, when you're a baby Christian, desire the sincere milk. He said, as a baby Christian. And the, and the, the key here is not the milk, but it's the desire and the word. You see what I'm saying? Now, baby, we need to instruct new Christians. Hey, new Christians, you need to be in the Bible. You need to be in the Word of God. And and people say, well, I've I've heard that. But listen, if you ask me as a new Christian, a new believer, what do I need to do? Read the Bible. Where do I need to start? Start in Matthew, John. Don't go to Revelation. And definitely don't read Leviticus. Okay? Or Deuteronomy. That'll just wipe you out altogether. Start to hear where it talks about Jesus and, and read and study and be in the Word of God because you need this milk. You need this, 
this nutriment, this nourishment that can come to you. And when I, listen, when I see that my life is beginning to get weak in some area, and, and instead of saying, well, I'm just human, you know, everybody makes mistakes, what I want to do is, is be to where I'll go back to the Word of God and desire the Word because it's only through the Word of God that I'm going to grow. Do you know your faith does not grow because of trials and tribulations? I've heard folks say, well, God just put me through this so my faith would increase. No, 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 no. You're going through things because life happens. But it's not going to increase your faith. But as you apply the Word of God, it'll encourage your faith. It'll encourage you to believe God. And, and, as, you, and as you take the Word, it'll encourage you to grow past those things. One thing that we, we talked about yesterday with the men is this, that the closer you get to God and the more you fall in the righteousness that He is, these things just begin to fall off of you and you don't need them anymore. You know, it's sort of like eating the right food. <clears throat> You eat the right food enough, then wrong food habits will fall off, and when wrong food habits fall off, there's other things that fall off. We'll just leave that right there. Don't want to get on donuts and breakfast wraps, right? That's... We never want to be we never want to be labeled for being fake or just pretending. Pretending. Listen, folks, I've had people, I, I thought about this this morning. I've never had nobody say this, so please don't do it. Don't be the first one. But I thought about this this morning, that somebody might come and say, well, Pastor, you really wouldn't want me to come to church like I live every, every day. Yeah, I would. Because how else are we going to tell you the Word of God? Right? The Word of God will change you. It'll make you different. It'll give you, it'll give you food and nourishment for your body. And, and people won't just keep pointing the finger at you and calling you fake. Well, what do I do when I miss it? Okay, I'm glad you asked that question. I've never had a real good answer for that. No, just... What do I do when I miss it and people see me miss it? Get it right. And then go back and make it right. I, I shared with y'all I know, but I'm going to do it again. Oh, I made a mistake. I pulled my watch off. Uh, I'm going to do it again because I want you to understand. I was working on a job one time, and, and we were running air conditioning duck, and we was getting pushed to get this job done. And You know how that goes, don't you, J.J.? Getting pushed to get it done. And the guys that was putting up the, the metal framing and the uh, drywall in there, the sheetrock, uh, they wasn't working with us. And I needed to get one run of duck in, and, and here was all this stuff laying right in the way, and I asked, the next day I asked, I went to the job superintendent, and finally the foreman, the, the superintendent of these sheetrock workers came in. He came in from Atlanta that day, and he came in, and we were there on the job, and, and uh, I, I asked him that morning, come afternoon, they're still there. And I just went over and just started picking up stuff and throwing it. I got carnal. I did. Started picking up stuff and throwing it. He come over and said, there ain't no need of that. And I said, get it out of the way. Now! He went back around on the other side of a stack of sheetrock. I don't know what your problem is. I said, let me tell you something, buddy. You better be glad I ain't coming around there and coming upside your face. 
you say, was you pastoring then? Yeah, I was. This was in like 2000. It hadn't been all that long ago. I was pastoring right here. Y'all didn't know y'all's pastor get that upset. Mark was there. He knew about it. The lack of anything else to do when I saw what I was doing, the only place I'd get to pray was at the Port of John. And I went to the Port of John and I prayed. And I said, Father, please forgive me. Please forgive me for acting this way. And I knew what I was going to have to do, Michael. I had to go right back, find that superintendent, walk up to him and offer my hand and say, I apologize for acting like I did and saying what I did. We'll work with you and help you any way we can to move this stuff. I said, but I want to ask you to forgive me. You know, from that time on, every time that man came on the job, he came to me and talked to me before he went and talked to his men. Now, what I'm saying is this, we miss it, and there's times that stuff's going to happen, but folks, it's up to you and I, if we don't want to be labeled false, to get that thing straightened out, first of all, between us and God, and then between us and the person that sees us do these kind of things. So I don't want to be called fake or pretending or just I want to be where I need to be. Uh, see, real people give, but they're not to be noticed. They don't want it noticed. See, he said in, in, in verse 2 here, he said, when you do yams or when you give, don't sound a trumpet, don't make a big deal out of it, uh, don't do like the Pharisees and hypocrites, because they have their reward. And I don't want their reward. I don't want the reward of a hypocrite. Do you? You know what the only reward a hypocrite gets? Good boy. From somebody. Wow, look what he's doing. But the reward that God gives us is so much greater than any of that. And, and, and then praying just to hear ourselves pray or to impress somebody. Hypocrites are not fault finders. I mean, Sorry about that. Hypocrites are fault finders. And, and they're fault finders in the pretense of helping. They want to help. They want to help you grow. They want to help you be better. I remember back when we were going to build this building, and I'd gone over to the building supply place. There was a minister that came in that day, and I just had got to where I wasn't impressed with him too much. I didn't say nothing, but... Hey, what are you doing here? And I said, well, we're fixing to build a building. Oh, man, come over here. I need to talk to you, boy. He, and he was just telling me all of this stuff we need to do and how we need to believe God and how we need to work this and, and how we do that. And I'm standing here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let me tell you, the church he built ended up closing down because he swindled a bunch of people out of a bunch of money and he ran off down to Florida and, and I don't know if he's in jail or not. But in Matthew chapter 7, listen to this. I don't want to be fake for this reason. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged, and with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Now here's the part. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Wow. Or how would I say to thy brother, let me pull out the moat out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. It gets tough. Because in the next verse he says, 
over. I missed the verse, verse 5. In verse 5, he says, Thou hypocrite, first get the beam out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to see how to get it cleared out of your brother's eye. My mother had a saying when we was growing up, boys, you need to clean around your own doorstep before you start trying to clean up somebody else's yard. And here's something that we, we need to do. We need, we need as Christian people to quit being so quick to judge other people. We do that. Oh, but pastor, the Word of God gives us the right to inspect somebody's fruit. No, no, no it don't. You, see, we've, there's something else that we've taken out of context. A child of God, someone seeking to be a real Christian, they, they want to help people. But they want to get their self in a position where they can help them and then do it lovingly. Do it with kindness. See, real Christians are mindful of the fruit of the Spirit, not what somebody else is doing. In Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 9, he, he said this to us. For they that are after the flesh demand the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. Minding the things of the flesh means that that's what I've got on my mind. And if I'm minding the things of the flesh, the carnal nature, then that's the fruit I'm going to produce. I may cover it up a little bit every now and then, but that's the fruit that I'm going to produce on a consistent basis. Because he said, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So when I begin to apply my life to walk in that peace, and be spiritually minded and, and not being trying to figure out what everybody else is doing, but living and bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, you can go. Is that all of them? I meant to tell you to go through verse 9. I'm having trouble this morning. Not, not with Bo. I'm having trouble with me. Y'all say, bless Pastor Carol. Thank you very much. It worked. I'm here. His enmity is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but you're not in the flesh. You hear that? You're not in the flesh. You're born again. You're not in the flesh. You're not supposed to live like you're in the flesh. And why I'm talking about flesh, I'm not talking about this body. We're all still in this body, okay? I'm talking about the nature, the tendencies of the flesh, the carnal nature, the things that we know that we're not supposed to be doing. And, you know, I was reading in chapter 7 along with this too, and in chapter 7 is another excuse that people use. They come in there and they say, Well, you know, I didn't want to do that. But I end up doing the things that I don't want to do and saying the things I don't want to say, and I reckon that's just me. But if you'll read all of verse, uh, chapter 7 and go into chapter 8, you'll see that Paul did make that statement, but he's talking about somebody that's not born again. He's talking about somebody before Jesus, but then in chapter eight, the last, I mean, chapter 7, the last verse there, he said, I can be delivered through Jesus Christ to the point that there's no condemnation in me, and I can walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh, and I can fulfill the things of the Spirit of God and not the things of the flesh, the, the carnal nature, that old junk, and I used to get heaped in before, and those things that I do whenever I'm weak before the Lord. 
I don't have to do those anymore because now then, when I'm minding the things of the Spirit of God, I'm going to be producing the fruit of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Yeah, give the Lord a hand clap. Then, listen to what he said. In Galatians 5, verse 18 through 23. But if you be led by the Spirit of God, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, the works of that carnal nature, the works of that nature that labels us, gets us labeled as hypocrites if we don't watch ourselves. Okay? The works of the flesh are many. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, and none of us would be caught up in that, right? I mean, that's, man, no, that's, that's immoral. That's wrong. But he didn't stop there. Because he talked about idolatry. I don't have any idols. I would say something because we're in football season, but I may get something thrown at me. Witchcraft, hatred. Now, none of us have a problem with that, right? No, never, never. We, we talk about how we hate those liberals and how we hate this one and hate that one and all of that kind of stuff, hatred. And then sometimes you hate the people next to you, but you won't tell them. And you don't need to. Variance, simulations, wrath, strife, strife, seditions, and heresies. Envings, murder, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also to the story. Fast that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Blank. Point. End of the story. But, I always like it whenever he says something like that, and then he puts that but in there. But the fruit of the Spirit, now here, here as I'm walking after the Spirit, and I'm not judging Pat, I'm not judging Jenny, I'm not judging Brother Dennis, I'm, I'm not judging, I'm not walking to judge them. I, I don't want to, I'm not going to get caught up in a carnal thing of judging. I want to walk after the Spirit, and I want to produce the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm going to tell you what, the fruit of the Spirit, me producing that in my life, will do for Pat and Jenny and Dennis. It'll help them, it'll encourage them to know, hey, hey, that person's real, they're genuine. And if they can do it, I can too. Can I tell you this, folks? If I can live a Christian life, you can live a Christian life too. I don't live a Christian life because I'm a minister. Because I know a lot of ministers, well, I've known a lot of ministers that don't care about living a Christian life. Matter of fact, the person that said to me one time, I'm just trying to be real, professed to be a minister. I'm trying to be real too, but I want to be real in Jesus. I want to be a real Christian. I don't want to be fake. Because he said then, he said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Wow. Think about that. These things that you and I have that we can do, that, that people can see Jesus in our lives. That they can understand, hey, there's more to this life than just, just the old humdrum, uh, down and out, always run over, defeated, beat down. There's something to this life. Because I see it in them. There's no telling how many people have come to Jesus because they saw a saint of God being a saint of God. Sure, we have problems. But we work on it. We get it straightened out. We move on and these things fall off of us. But we're not to judge. I, I, you know, I've heard folks say, well, we're not to judge, but we can be fruit inspectors. 
Can I show you where that comes from? This won't take but 30 minutes. But anyway, no. <laughs> but I want to show you. In Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Now I want you to notice this first line, beware of false prophets. Beware of false prophets. This didn't say, beware of your Christian brother that's sitting in church with you. Right? It don't say that. It don't say beware of the person that lives across the street that professes he's a Christian but may not be living up to your standards and what you think he ought to. It didn't say beware of them. It said beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're raving wolves. You shall... We're talking about a category of people that we can inspect their fruit. You shall know them by their fruits. False prophets you'll know by their fruits. And not just a false prophet, but can I tell you this? When people say they're Christian and not, you're not judging their fruits, but they're evident and you can see them. You don't have to walk up to an apple tree and pick an apple and eat it to find out that apple is rotten. You can see it hanging on the tree that it's rotten. But I'm not going around inspecting J.J.'s fruit. No, if I see that there's something lacking in J.J.'s life, I want to show forth the fruit of the Spirit and love him and encourage him. Not inspect his fruit, because you know what happens when you inspect somebody's fruit? You label them and say, boy, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. You know, I'm glad that I'm not judge. I'm glad I'm not the one that's got the final say-so in this thing. Because there's probably a lot of people that I'd send to hell just because I didn't like the way they'd done that day. You're going to hell. Aren't you glad I'm not the judge? Aren't you glad I'm not the one that's got the final say? Well, if I don't have the final say, why should I want to take the first say? Whenever I'm to, to encourage. And see, and he said, You shall know them by their fruits. The men gather grapes of figs or figs of thistles. Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. I'm glad I'm a good tree. Got a good root, good soil, rooted and built it up and grounded in love. One more verse. All right, the next verse says, Even so by their fruits you shall know them. False prophets. False prophets. Now, there's none of us in here claiming to be a prophet, is there? Anybody claim to be a prophet? Okay. If you ever stand up and say, I'm a prophet, then we're probably going to start judging you and watching you. So the Bible gives some criteria. It said that when somebody claims to be a prophet, if what they say don't come to pass, they're not a prophet. One other thing. Real people desire sincere worship. Real Christians desire to be involved in sincere worship. In Matthew chapter 5, we, or chapter 15 rather, I'm sorry, chapter 15, verse 7, listen to what Jesus said. You hypocrites, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not talking to us, by the way. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you saying, this people... Draw nigh unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, 
but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me. That term in vain applies to the next sentence also, the next phrase here. And in vain teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. In vain they worship. Why do they worship? Oh, like sound of song. Words sound pretty good. But your heart's not in it. I pray that's not us. God is calling us. See, listen. Here's one reason that a lot of people got the Word, but they don't have the heart. They can say the songs of praise. They can sing them beautifully sweet, beautiful music and everything, but they don't have the heart. And the reason is so many times is what we find when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And she was talking about this is our place, this is our well, y'all Jews need to go on. And Jesus said, no, hold on. They said, we worship in this mountain. And Jesus said, wait a minute. Listen to what he said. You worship, you know not what. Now folks, if we don't pay attention to our life, We get so wrapped up with the cares and things of this life, we come in church on Sunday morning, and and sure, we come in, we look good, we smile good and everything, but in our hearts, we don't know what we're worshiping. Who we're worshiping. Why we're worshiping. So therefore, we don't know the how of worship. He said, we know what we worship. Do you? Do you know who you're worshiping when you come in? You're not worshiping the, the song. You're not worshiping the praise and worship team. You're not worshiping the leader. You're not worshiping the pastor. You're not worshiping the building. When we come in here for praise and worship, unless we want it to be hypocritical, then we must know that we're worshiping Almighty God. We're worshiping Jesus for the sacrifice He gave. And then we're worshiping them through the Spirit. Because He went on to say, but the hour cometh, and now is. Everybody say, now is. Now is. When the true... Now here's as close as I can get to real people. When the true worshiper, the real Christians, really the ones seeking God, the ones that's looking to God, the real people that are going to a real church and, and their desire is to seek and worship a real God. The time has come, and it's now. It's now for Victory Fellowship. It's now for time for David Carroll as an individual to come into this. It's time for our church, it's time for our community to come into this. By the way, I thank God for things that's moving in our community because let me just drop this in right here because uh, instead of different churches, and I shared this with you before, instead of different churches having a, a hallelujah park on that fifth street around Halloween, all the churches are getting together and doing a big festival out at South Park on that fifth Sunday evening and and all the churches working together. And then in November, I believe it's the second week in November, we're having a community revival. And they've asked me to preach on that Sunday night. And, and so we're having that community revival. And that's going to be good. But what I'm saying is this, it'll give you us a time, and we'll use our praise and worship team, and it'll give us an opportunity to be able to, to do what we can to help introduce worship being worshipers to the community. See, it said, Time has come when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father 
seek as such to worship Him. I thought about this this week. The heart of God is crying out for somebody to worship Him. When you begin to worship God, you begin to walk boldly and strongly in the favor of God. Uh, I'm going to get started on, on this part of seeking a real God. It has to do with worship. And it's going to be a few days. <laughs> I almost feel like preaching it right now, but we'll wait. Okay. People say, I want to hear from God. I want to hear from God. I want to hear from God. And we need to hear from God. I want to hear from God. But there's a way we can hear from God. And it involves worship. The hour cometh, and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Mm-mm-mm. God's a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Spirit has to do with our heart. Truth has to do with the Word. Worship in this way, to where that it's not just words coming out of our mouth because our mind says it, but it's words coming out of our mouth because our hearts declare it. Our spirit declares it. And it's got to have some way to get out, and it comes out of our mouth. And I'm not talking about something strange or artificial. Hey, listen, when these songs that we do on Sunday, and your heart is turned towards God, and you're looking to Him, and you're being a real person for a change, seeking a real God, then that'll come out of your heart. The greatest day in history will be glad. It, it'll feel good in you, in here, not just another time sing a song. Talking about real people. Different people worship in different ways, I understand that. Different music, different songs, different settings. But it makes no difference where you go to church. It makes no difference what kind of, of hymns or songs that you sing. If it's not coming from the heart, then you're not worshiping God like you need to. Now you start where you are. And as you spend time with God, it'll come more and more and more. God's seeking people this morning that are real, that are endeavoring to be real, that are endeavoring to look to Him and hold on to Him and walk in His Word and be in His Word and, and, and grow in His Word and let the things of this life just begin to fall off to where they don't mean that kind of thing to us anymore. And we just look to Him and walk with Him. And when we worship, it comes from my heart. And I can leave church knowing, hey, I didn't do it like a hypocrite today. I did it like a true worshiper. And not, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about going down the road and blabbing it out to everybody, but I got it in here. Got it in here. Let me tell you something. When you touch the heart of God, God will touch your heart. And God will meet your needs. And He'll do for you what you need. Let's bow our heads together.